0: so jamaica officially has its own digital currency but how secure is it and how can you get some on this episode of taking stock i have an exclusive sit down with the founder and ceo of e-currency jonathan dharmapalan
1: multiple layers of security have to be applied simultaneously to make sure that the three forms of security are met.
0: And BOJ Deputy Governor Natalie Haynes will tell us about the central bank's rollout plan. In September,
2: we will begin issuing to National Commercial Bank. So persons who are interested in getting digital currency, who at this time may contact National Commercial Bank, in terms of having a CBDC wallet.
0: And later, the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. Jamaican T's net profits are up $8 million. There are seen increases for local sales, but on the export side, there's actually a dip. And over in the US, inflation is spreading to more parts of the economy.
3: The, the bigger picture showed is that there are certain areas that are still growing. So for example, consumer foods, you know, persons are buying a lot more food at the supermarket and then right now there's a mismatch in terms of the demand for certain items items versus the supply while
0: target is benefiting from an increase in spending
3: so the earnings
4: year over year actually leaped 7.38 times um to 2.1 billion
0: I'm Kalila Reynolds and welcome to Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. But before we get started, head over to my website, kalilareynoldscom slash newsletter to get my newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week. You can click the link up here or in the description box below. Now, come on, let's get this money.
5: But first, here's what's hot. Brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Bus and taxi fares have gone up 15%. The fare increase took effect on Monday, eight years after the last adjustment. The announcement was made by the Transport Authority last week and has been described as the right balance for all parties. In the meantime, the transport ministry said the rate for the elderly, the disabled, and children will remain at half the adult fare. There will be no change to the fare for the JUTC and Montego Bay Metro. Transport operators have also been warned that no additional fares should be charged. According to the Transport Authority, consultations with the Ministry of Finance and the Public Service indicate that the increase will affect national inflation by approximately 1%. Jamaica on Monday also welcomed the first cruise ship with international passengers since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Carnival Sunshine made a call at the port of Ocho Rios in St. Anne. Tourism Minister Ed Bartlett said the resumption of cruise tourism will have a positive impact on the economy. According to the minister, cruise shipping is resuming under strict measures. He said approximately 95% of the crew and passengers are fully vaccinated. All passengers are also required to show a negative COVID-19 test taken within 72 hours of sailing. A PCR test is mandatory for unvaccinated passengers. Additionally, all passengers are subject to screening and antigen testing when they disembark. Passengers have been allowed to participate in tours within the COVID-19 resilient corridors, which have been in place for stopover visitors. Dream Entertainment is reporting that the recent staging of Dream Weekend earlier this month contributed more than $860 million or about $5.6 million U.S. dollars to Jamaica's economy. Despite the scaled-down event due to the pandemic, the organizers report that they still generated significant basis for hoteliers as well as members of the transport and food and beverage sectors. Dream Weekend in Negril has reportedly pumped over $10 million U.S. in the Western region over the years. The event contributes about $4.3 billion Jamaican dollars to the overall economy annually. According to initial calculations from Dream Entertainment chairman Kamal Banki, there were approximately 3,000 Dreamers in Negril over five days. Each Dreamer spent roughly $360 US per day on transport, hotel, meals, Dream Season bans and other costs. Dream Weekend was held August 5-9 following approval from the government to stage the flagship event. The decision to stage the event has been fully criticized, especially after images emerged showing patrons without masks and not social distancing. However, Health Minister Dr. Christopher Tufton has described the criticisms as assumptions. The minister said there has been no official report that COVID-19 protocols were breached at the party series. Guyana's President Erfan Ali has instructed that freight charges be reduced in the calculation of customs duties, excise taxes, and input value-added tax VAT on goods being imported. The move is aimed at providing more relief to importers and consumers, being impacted by higher shipping costs. The instruction followed an assessment of the impact of the pandemic on the Guyana economy and on the prices being passed on to consumers. The concession is effective on all invoices dated from August 1 and will run until January 31 next year. It will see the government foregoing some 4.8 billion Guyanese dollars or nearly 23 million US dollars in tax revenues over the six month period. Meanwhile, in Jamaica, the Manufacturers and Exporters Association said it's still awaiting word from the government on their proposal to reduce import and customs duties. Freight charges per container have skyrocketed from US$2,000 last year to as high as twenty thousand dollars at present. First, global bank FGB has increased its agent banking network to 13, with the opening of two more MoneyLink outlets in Highgate St. Mary and Albertown Trelawney. The banking windows target the unbanked and underbanked. MoneyLink allows customers to deposit up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in FGB accounts, Withdraw up to $100,000, pay their credit cards, and check their balance. FGB, a member of the Grace Kennedy Group, says three more agent banking windows will also be opened this year. There is now only one branch of Sagicor Bank in Halfway Tree St. Andrew. The branch at 60 Constant Spring Road was closed on Friday, August 13. Operations have been transferred to the Tropical Plaza branch, also in Constant Spring Road. Sagicor says the consolidation is to boost efficiency and strengthen operations. Team members at the closed Halfway Tree branch have been redeployed to other branches. The closed branch will be retrofitted to become a full-service business resource center. However, the ATM will remain open. What's Heart was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart.
0: When we come back, is Jamaica's new digital currency secure? And how can you get some? Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilorenolds.com store to order your T-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Welcome back to Taking Stock. The Bank of Jamaica minted the first $230 million of Jamaica's digital currency last week. It will be in the mobile wallets of a select number of Jamaicans very soon for testing before the national rollout early next year. KRM was the only media in the house to witness the minting of the digital currency, but for security reasons, we weren't allowed to take pictures or video of the process. But I did get an exclusive interview with the founder and CEO of eCurrency, Jonathan Dharmapalan. They're the California-based company that's developing Jamaica's digital currency. And later, I'll also speak with the BOJ's deputy governor in charge of banking and currency, Natalie Haynes. So I'm here with Jonathan Dharmapalan, he's the founder and CEO of E-Currency, which is behind the technology for Jamaica's new digital currency. Hi Jonathan. Hi. Good to have you in Jamaica, so you have on the Jamaican colors too.
1: Thank you, I could not avoid getting <laughs> Jamaican colors, especially given the pride yes. uh, of the Olympics. <laughs>
0: so this has been 10 years in the making for E-Currency. Tell me a little bit about your story and how you got here.
1: Absolutely. So, about 10 years ago, uh, I started realizing with a few of my partners and colleagues that money was going to be digital. And we were starting to see the birth of things like Bitcoin. It was very important for us to recognize that when money becomes digital, there had to be a mechanism for a real digital currency to be created. And what does that mean? What that means is that every sovereign, like the country of Jamaica, would want to be in a position where they have a true fiat digital currency, also called central bank digital currency. And for that to happen, someone had to invent the technology to give the central bank that unique ability to be the only issuer of digital currency. And I think that is what e-currency set out to do.
0: In 2011, not many people were actually thinking that way. How old is, is Bitcoin, for example?
1: Bitcoin is maybe a year or so older than that. Uh, after the financial crisis of 20, 2008, uh, that the idea and concept of Bitcoin was created. And uh, uh, it was about the same time that I started thinking about the possibility of a central bank currency.
0: Did people think you so. were crazy at the time?
1: Well. Um, There were a few people who did not, (laughs) (laughs) who were kind enough to join me on this journey, to actually create that technology. But as we talked to central banks in the early days, and we've talked to lots of central banks, I'd argue that we're talking to about 80 different central banks at this point. Uh, Many of them viewed this as Star Wars. This is something out in the future. And they were right. It was out in the future. But the work had to be done to sort of meet that future, and here we are, the future is here. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely, so what happened over the past 10 years? Was it working on the technology to do it, and then how did you find clients, people who are actually, or countries who are actually willing to do it?
1: Well, it's been an interesting process. So even before we started working on the technology itself, we started talking to central banks about how they issue currency today. And I have to suggest that the model for a digital currency is the same model as a physical currency. A- and it all lies in the fact that the law allows it to happen. So the first thing that ma- uh, that's important is that, just like in Jamaica, other countries are thinking through giving the authority of issuing a digital currency to the central bank. That's step number one. Step number two is recognizing that the existing processes have to be replicated digitally Mm -hmm. so that the central bank can mint that currency, can store that currency, then issue that currency and put it into circulation, can get that currency securely into the hands of commercial banks and other distributors through whom it'll eventually get to the hands of the merchants and the public. Mm -hmm. These processes have to be mimicked. And what we've done is built the technology to mimic those very processes.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's taken you this far. Okay, so the next stage after you've built the technology is convincing countries to come on board. So did Jamaica come to you or you pitched to Jamaica?
1: Ah, well, long before we ever got to Jamaica, after we built the currency, we had to test it. Right. And testing it means that it has to be so robust that the system itself will run 24 7 365 right it will always be available so that testing took, took some time once we were done with that testing we went back to many of the central banks and started talking to them and I recall about two or three years ago we had several conversations with the Bank of Jamaica um, and then things went quiet and the Bank of Jamaica was obviously thinking about it internally, Mm -hmm. working through their processes, making sure the government was supportive of this, after which the Bank of Jamaica issued a competitive uh, request for proposal uh, that we participated in um, and fortunate for us, uh, selected us to provide them with the technology. So
0: is this the first country that you're actually minting a digital currency in?
1: Yes, this is the first country we're actually minting a digital currency in with the Bank of Jamaica standing behind it, yes. All right. In fact, we don't mint the digital currency. We provide the Bank of Jamaica the technology, and as you saw today, as you witnessed today, it is the Bank of Jamaica that mints the digital currency.
0: Okay, so the BOJ mints the digital currency, and then where do you come in?
1: Actually, we provide them with the minting machinery. Uh. We provide them with support from the background. Uh, But frankly, over time, the Bank of Jamaica takes over the entire process. Uh, In fact, unless the Bank of Jamaica takes over the process, it isn't digital legal tender. Um, So it's very important for the Bank of Jamaica to take over the process and move with it. We will provide any necessary support any new features that the Bank of Jamaica may require and any long-term capabilities that they may ask for. But this is the Bank of Jamaica's currency. Mm.
0: I was able to witness the ceremonial minting just now and there are several elements that have to be in place for the currency to actually be minted. 230 million Jamaican dollars, about 1.5 million US was minted here today. So how secure is this digital currency? Because in the world of physical currency, counterfeiting is a serious issue. So can this be counterfeited?
1: Well, the process you saw today was to make sure that the instrument that's created by the central bank is not counterfeited. That's really important to recognize. And security actually comes in three layers there's a security of the currency instrument which has to be ensured and you watch it happen today the second is a security of the people using that currency so their privacy their personal information etc has to be protected thirdly there's a security the sovereign security of a currency that is a national currency so this is a question of a secure Jamaican dollar circulating in Jamaica without somehow being, uh, somehow being uh, damaged or counterfeited or in some way, uh, uh, some way compromised. All of which starts with the security process that you watch today. And that security process cannot be enabled by any one person, cannot be enabled by any one department. It has to be done through a particular key management process that you witnessed today, um, and, and, and so, so that's really where we come in. We provide the bank with the cryptographic engines that can go through that process and to ensure that it cannot be counterfeited.
0: I understand that you're actually not using blockchain technology. Why is that?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Uh, blockchain technology has some very interesting features, uh, but it is quite rudimentary. It uses a relatively uh, uh, vulnerable uh, security mechanism uh, for cryptography. Uh, It is necessary but not sufficient. What we believe needs to happen is multiple layers of security have to be applied simultaneously to make sure that the three forms of security are met. The personal security of the individuals, the security of the instrument itself, and national security of the Jamaican currency in circulation. So those cannot be achieved by just using a uh, relatively simple uh, blockchain technology. Uh, Blockchain technology can be used to enable transactions using the central bank digital currency that's produced by the Bank of Jamaica, but it cannot be used to create the central bank digital currency Mm. that's being issued by the Bank of Jamaica.
0: So would you say then this is more secure than cryptocurrencies that we know about like Bitcoin and Ethereum and so on?
1: It absolutely needs to be, yes.
0: It is more secure. It
1: is more secure.
0: Okay. Tell me about how this actually works for the average person who wants to use it.
1: Exactly. When a central bank digital currency is created, just like when a physical currency note is created, The magic that goes into it uh, and the security that goes into it is uh, entirely useless if the public doesn't have direct access to it. So achieving that last step requires the participation of the entire financial system. It requires the participation of commercial banks. It it requires the participation of uh, payment service providers and it ultimately requires the participation of you and I and the the general public. So to make it as easy as possible for the public to use it, they have to be able to access it with the simplest of mobile phones. They have to be able to access it with the simplest of cards. They have to be able to uh, use it in a transaction with a merchant or a vendor, or take that currency and deposit it in a commercial bank. All of these things have to be possible. And the only way to do that is by winning over the entire economy. And the Bank of Jamaica has already taken all the steps uh, to get there, and we've been working with them. So to begin with, uh, as was mentioned earlier, uh, one of the large commercial banks is starting off in the pilot, then the second largest commercial bank will also join the pilot, and by the time the pilot is over, all the commercial banks will be a part of it. They will distribute it using Uh, e-money operators and uh, telecommunications operators, uh, the mobile operators, so that the entire public now has access to it. And all these steps have to take place. And when it's all done, any person can initiate a digital transaction with any other person who wants to accept that digital transaction. It can be a person to person, it can be a person to merchant, and it can be a merchant to a wholesaler, and it can be from a person to a bank.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of those have to work.
0: So will you have to have like a separate bank account specifically for digital currency? How does it mingle with physical currency? Not at all.
1: So what we ultimately want to achieve and what the bank ultimately wants to, wants to achieve is that all of these e-money wallet services become fully interoperable. So you can have an e-money wallet service uh, like Quisk and you have now direct access to the central bank digital currency through Qisk, and you can execute a transaction to another e-money wallet uh, holder, and it can fly from your wallet to that wallet and be confident that only what the central bank produced as digital currency originated in your wallet, and only what the central bank produced as digital currency ends up in the recipient's wallet.
0: So this will depend on you having a digital uh, wallet through your bank. Is not Either through th- your
1: bank or another payment service provider, Right. Yes.
0: Okay, so it's not the BOJ that's going to be administering a digital wallet.
1: Not at all. The BOJ may choose to administer a digital wallet, but the plans of the BOJ and the way the system works actually takes advantage of existing payment platforms.
0: Makes sense. And
1: it's not just wallet providers, it could also be toll service providers who are also transacting in digital currency.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for talking to me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for and having me. I'll be me looking on your
0: forward to seeing how this actually is implemented and how the pilot goes.
1: Thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: All right. But will Jamaicans actually go for it? Let's find out more from Deputy Governor of the Bank of Jamaica, Natalie Haynes. Thank you for talking to me, Deputy Governor.
2: You're welcome. My well, pleasure, Kalila.
0: Well, today was a very historic
2: day, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Tell me
0: what happened today.
2: Okay, so today, Jamaica. Bank of Jamaica, in fact, minted its first central bank digital currency for 230 million Jamaica dollars.
0: Wow. Now, how long has this been in the making?
2: Since May last year, when when we made the announcement to the public that we would be going the route of central bank digital currency, so not very long.
0: Not very long. Not very I long heard the, the point made by the gentleman from eCurrency that this has been the fastest that it has been done.
2: Well, that's Bank of Jamaica for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're all moving on a lightning speed. We You're are we following are. Elaine. Uh, right uh, right yes, right yes, yes, yes. We <laughs> are. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Pocket yeah. rocket, BOJ. Right. Okay. So tell me where. Where you are in the process now, where does this put us in terms of getting the digital currency actually in the hands of
2: the Jamaican okay. people? So we are in the pilot stage and so we have what we call wallet providers who will come on board. Wallet providers are those financial institutions that Bank of Jamaica issues digital currency to and then they now are responsible to retail it to their customers so the first wallet provider that we have on board is national commercial bank and in september we will begin issuing to national commercial bank so persons who are interested in getting digital currency who at this time they may contact national commercial bank in terms of having a cbdc wallet
0: also you can opt into the pilot
2: NC, if you can contact NCB, yes. Ah. Because what we want to do for the pilot is actually test real transactions. And so we would want NCB to partner with us in terms of getting not just users, but merchants of CBDC okay so it's yet it actually works well
0: you know who's gonna be contacting NCB exactly. <laughs> very soon yeah. is it that the BOJ will not be creating its own digital wallet it will be left up to the banks to the to do banks that? to
2: provide the public with a digital wallet which means that you need is
0: that only for the pilot just, stage or no for,
2: for all just think of it we are trying to mirror physical notes and coins Right. so we don't create um, for customers Average customers, we issue notes and coins to financial institutions, and they issue it to their customers. So it's pretty much the same thing,
0: right? But I, I ask because one of the objectives is to be able to reach the unbanked, and All right. so I, I worry so that if you have to go through a bank, bank then the unbanked right. So,
2: so, so the so the unbanked can either contact a bank or authorize payment service providers. These are providers that we have already in our fintech regulatory sandbox. Testing such as such as um, Alliance Financial Services, Um, Grace Kennedy will be coming on on board. Okay, Grace Kennedy Remittance. So So those are not yet. Those are not yet in the pilot. So those persons are expected to come on board much later on in the year. All
0: right. So so NCB
2: is the first.
0: So 230 million was minted today, very
2: specific amount, about 1.5
0: million U.S. Why that number? Why that number? All right.
2: It's very scientific. Um, We have always said that if we had a 5% switch between physical cash and CBDC, we would consider it a success. So what we looked at is actually our average monthly currency issue to NCB. And another financial institution who will be coming on board in November, and then we looked at five percent of that for the rest of the f- of this year for the pilot, and that's how we came up with the two hundred and thirty million. So it's very scientific, and it is to expect it to last until the end of the pilot.
0: Talk to me about adoption. What are your expectations?
2: My expectation is that all Jamaicans, especially the unbanked, as you mentioned will see CBDC as the choice for their payments. It is much safer than cash in terms of me not having these large rolls of cash on you. And of course it can be used anywhere, anytime, by just your phone, the average Jamaican has at least two phones. Mm -hmm. So we are expecting that it will be appealing to them and the fact that it is issued and backed by Bank of Jamaica makes it secure for them.
0: Right. And legal tender.
2: And it is legal tender.
0: I read somewhere that within five years, you expect what to happen?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say if I get at least a 5% switch per annum, I'd consider that very successful but it's going to take some time because, you know, the, the majority of Jamaicans prefer their cash. Right. So um, it's going to take some time and take up and work in Bank of Jamaica, working alongside the wallet providers to reach to their, all their customers. So I'm encouraging on bank to when the national rollout takes place and we have all wallet providers on board to go and get a CBDC wallet. The requirements are not gonna be um, strenuous. It's gonna be actually simplified. Know your customer. Nothing more than your name, date of birth, your TRN, address. That should be it.
0: When do you expect the national rollout to happen?
2: I am gonna safely say in Q1 of 2022. So you have three months there. I'm just leaving it at in Q1 of 2022. So, and you mentioned at the
0: ceremony that we're close to hearing the new name precisely of the we
2: figure that in terms of the communication eh, Jamaicans want a name they want something that yes. is catch eh? we don't want to say oh Jamaican central bank digital currency that's too long yeah it is so we are looking for an authentically Jamaican name which and we have Ohio found as
0: the Sand dollar for example precisely
2: precisely uh, but we um, hmm, our name no, is no going to ah so hmm. I have had the curiosity the <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. But um, we had a public competition. So what we're going to be doing now is contacting the winners and have a little ceremony for the winners because there are prizes and then that official public campaign on the name tagline and the logo Mm -hmm. will be launched
0: well thank you very much i look forward to the updates deputy governor and congratulations thank you so much clearly it was my pleasure okay good. so in the coming months regular jamaicans will be testing jamaica's new digital currency at supermarkets banks and various other locations around the island very curious to see how this is gonna work and of course here at krm and taking stock we'll keep you updated so, what do you think about Jamaica's new digital currency? Comment below and also take our poll. The link is in the description below. Up next, we've got your market recap and the analysts are standing by. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by
5: Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. Brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think wealth, think Sagicor Investments. The Jamaica Stock Exchange declined, with the combined index losing more than 1%. 108 stocks traded across both the main and the junior markets of the JSE for the week ending Friday, August 13, 2021. 41 advanced, 58 declined, and 9 stayed the same. 88 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling $453 million. Fesco traded the most, with people buying and selling 15 million shares in the company. The stock opens this new week at $1.65. Radio Jamaica traded at the second highest, with people buying and selling nearly 14 million shares in the company. The stock gained $0.06 cents to close last week at $2.18. And Wickton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares rounded out the most traded, taking up nearly 12% of market volume. The stock lost $0.01 cent to open the week at $0.55. Cents. Now let's see who had the biggest gains. Stationary and Office Supplies stock price rose nearly 24% to close last week at $7.43. KLE Group stock price rose nearly 15% to be second for this week's biggest gains. The stock opens this week at $1.23. Rounding out our biggest gains, SSL Venture Capital Jamaica, which gained 10 cents to open this week at 82 cents. On the losing side now, Consolidated Bakers Jamaica was the biggest loser for the week, down 17%. The stock closed last week at $1.61. QWI Investments was second on the list. Its stock price down nearly 13% this week. The stock opens this new week at 81 cents. Rounding off the biggest losers, Salada Foods Jamaica, which lost 9%, to close last week at $7.14. Market Recap was brought to you by Sagicor Investments. Think Wealth. Think SagiCore Investments. This segment of Taking Stock the Analysts is brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Portfolio Services.
0: Welcome back to Taking Stock. I've got a team of analysts to examine the week in business. I'm joined by Wealth Advisor at Ideal Portfolio Services, Dwayne Taylor. We also have Assistant Manager of Private Equity at Proven Management, Julian Morrison, as well as research and strategy analyst at Sagicore Investments, Jodianne Aris. Hi, everybody. Jodian, Julian, Dwayne. Welcome to my new studio. Hey. Don't I look expensive? Yes. Very.
6: very, very <laughs> right.
4: <That's> right.
0: <laughs> it's a work in progress. Right now, it's lots of makeshifting and catch-up and ketchup going on. But I feel like, I... look at my skin. Like, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So I'm going to have to ask you all if you want to invest in some KRM shares. No?
3: <laughs> look at that. Look at yeah. that.
6: Uh-huh. Hey.
0: Um, you're one of those people
4: making Rihanna Richard um Fenty Beauty, you know.
0: Fenty. Yeah, no, actually, I haven't. Well, I bought it once, but you know, I should buy some more because I actually do like the the product, it's a really good product. This billionaire status, I love it.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's doing someday, very well
0: someday. A girl from the Caribbean can dream, right? If Rihanna can do it, we Definitely. all can.
3: That's right, yeah, Definitely think global
4: Think global. Always. Definitely
0: a big inspiration. And that's my girl, bad gal Riri. <laughs> 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 All right, let's turn to some local news and then we're going to go international as well. So let's start with Jam Tease. Jamaican Tease, Jodianne, is reporting an $8 million increase in net profits for Q3 compared to Q2. So give me the update on what Jam Tease is doing.
6: All right, thanks, Kalila. So as you mentioned, um, you know, Jamtees for their third quarter, which is the June quarter, um, actually is doing you know, pretty good performance. If it is that you compare it to the prior year, um, last year, 2020, they would have been up about 7.3%. And this larger reflected increased revenue, which was up about 5%, as well as investment income, which was also up close to about 60%. And they also recorded a decline in sales and market costs by about 40%. And so when it is that you dig into the investment income portion, um, part of it would have been from both realized investment gains as well as unrealized. So if you think about it in 2020, when it is that we'd have had the onset of COVID in the early part of March or mid-March, there are asset prices, stock prices would have fallen. And when it is that you're comparing it to this year, when we're seeing an uptick in terms of performance on stock markets, then those gains would be considered if it is that you know your product the company that you have in your portfolio increased, then you have what you call you no know, unrealized gains so it's not really money money but it is possible money because if it is that you were to sell then you would have made a gain based on where it was before last year so that is one of the things that is actually reflecting well for Jamtees. um when it is that you look at the local sales um in terms of the manufacture from manufactured operations there is an increase However, that is really for local side. So there are seen increases for local sales, but on the export side, there's actually a dip. And this was actually reflecting the pointed to a shift in work from home. So when it is that you had more persons in the diaspora working from home, you know, they would have been going to supermarkets and consuming a little bit more of what it is that you're used to. Your Caribbean foods, which should be teas that jam tea produces. However, now that you're back in office, um, they're seeing a dip in those numbers in terms of their export market, um, but one of the things to point out is that similar to other local manufacturing companies, they are looking at you know they are seeing increased costs. So the cost of sales actually jumped, and um, they're looking at things such as higher freight costs as well as the higher prices for raw goods or raw materials. And they have similar to other companies in the manufacturing space opted to not pass on these costs. So consumers at this time. So, um, you know, with continued increase in prices, and I think um, we'll speak a little bit about that later on in terms of how it is an international market, but it does have an impact for us locally and how it is that it impacts companies. So if it is that they're not passing it on to consumers, then it is really having an impact on their bottom line for manufacturing
0: mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. I think that's inevitable, don't you think, Julian?
4: Definitely. Definitely, because if we look at where we are um, in the in the stage of recovery, it's just a lot of moving parts. Um, you have what is called a reopening trade, meaning the big secular trend of things getting closer to normalcy, people going back to work, so consumption pattern should change, which is why we're seeing such a strong increase in, in, in well, a part of why we're seeing such a strong rebound in prices. Um, actually prices have started to overshoot but we'll get to that later on right kalila
0: all right so we know a lot is going on i saw in the paper (coughs) recently too where the and we had that discussion about the shipping costs and those astronomical increases i saw in the paper where the manufacturers are are seeking intervention and asking for at least a response. So so who knows? Maybe there will be some relief coming. I don't know that there will be because government is also pressured as it relates to taxes, but let's see how that goes. In the United States now, inflation pressures just continue. This Delta variant uh, continues to wreak havoc on the economy, and we now see, Duane, where inflation is spreading, spreading to more parts of the U.S. economy. So when they have more parts, what they mean?
3: all right so okay so let me preface it with uh what had happened the previous month so back in june uh the u.s economy actually saw its highest uh increase in inflation over a 12-month period and also in a month-to-month period so for may to june it actually well for june it went to 0.9 percent which is the highest they've seen in like 13 years right and also over the twelve-month period leading up to June, it was about five point four percent. And they, they they normally use the the consumer price index as the that's what they would use to measure you know where prices would go, how inflation would be impacted. So it was significant. It was a, it was the most significant increase they've seen, as I said, in thirteen years. Now how that has played out for them is that obviously prices went up, and one of the major drivers. Behind that was due to vehicles, you know, purchasing of vehicles and also gasoline prices amongst mm. uh, amongst other things. Now, coming into July and August, there has been a steady... But just
0: because uh, when you mentioned vehicles, because there was an issue with used car, uh, used vehicles, weren't there used vehicles?
3: Well, oh, was yeah. it
0: new car. New car oh. prices were going up because of the same chip shortage issue we were talking about. So exactly. inflation was really... Uh, heavy in that segment of the economy
3: yeah granted it wasn't the sole factor that contributed to it but it played a big role and as you rightfully said i think we actually spoke to it on the previous when i was on previously but Yeah. yeah that that also played a factor in inflation just taking a major spike now fast forward to august the inflation has somewhat stabilized in the sense that the increase in uh, month over month has slightly decreased. So it's still growing, but at a slower rate. No, that is normally a a signal that, all right, things are starting to stabilize. There may be some improvement. But what the, the bigger picture showed is that there are certain areas that are still growing. So for example, consumer foods, you know, persons are buying a lot more food at the supermarket. And then right now there's a mismatch in terms of the demand for certain items items versus the supply. So if it is that more persons are buying food at the supermarkets and probably dying, dining at home, that plays a major role in, infl- in, in just the prices going up. You also have areas like uh, gasoline, as I mentioned earlier, that's still increasing. Vehicle prices are still increases, in, increasing in particular for used cars, because you know, there's an increased demand for persons to have their own vehicles. Yes, you have the, the microchip shortage, which has been plaguing, plaguing the international market a lot, but then you have individuals that due to the, the introduction of these new variants of the COVID um, virus, you know, persons want to stay away from public transport when commuting. So you know, there's an increase for, well, if you can't afford a new vehicle, get a used vehicle. Um, amongst other things, so and and it's really going down to what persons use on a regular basis. So as I said, food, transportation, even um, hotel prices. That was one mm-hmm. that was very interesting to me because you know right now you would think a lot of persons want to stay put, but the fact is people still have to travel from state to state or out of the country, and well, in particular for the U.S., state to state, you find that hotel prices have increased as well, and that that's just down to you know if it's uh if it's if it's a place where it's providing food you know the same concept of food items increasing and just the services being rendered and having to pay you know uh employees a bit more based off of the hours that they're putting in and just the risk of them being at the working there you know the, it's it's leading to a lot of uh increases in price so how is america responding to it it's tough it's it's actually very tough because right now it's difficult for them to navigate this time. And yes, there's a sense of optimism, but they're also trying to be realistic with the fact that, all right, yes, it might have grown at a slow rate since June, but we're still in a position where prices are increasing. Consumers are feeling the squeeze on every dollar that they have. And yes, the government has offered um, assistance in the form of stimulus checks previously, but then that can only go so far, especially if uh, unemployment is still a growing issue in America so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a very interesting time uh, in terms of how to, to, how to uh, look at the outlook for the future but as I said there's still a sense of optimism and things are improving relatively but it's still a sense of improvement for for the economy so yes it's spreading right. but, but overall there, there's still some positives the you beach. mentioned those
0: gas prices. Gas yes, prices are a killer locally. <laughs> my God, like anybody, you guys drive, right? You notice know what, what the gas prices are? Oh my God! I see it came down a little bit in the week, so I mean, it is what it is. But geez, man, you see, you see where airline prices are, to Dwayne?
3: Exactly. I was looking
0: up tickets. $800 to Miami. Somebody said they Mi- saw $1,000 to Miami. I saw in a, in a art, an article that you sent me that the airline industry is really because of this Delta variant. They thought that things were going to be picking up in the latter half of this year, but that is not looking like the case. So, Jodianne, so we see what the United States is going through. Uh what the effects are on their economy. Uh, what do you think is likely to happen here? Because they do say when the U.S. sneezes, Jamaica, catches a coal, right?
6: <laughs> uh, well, definitely we'll see some pass through because it is one of our main trading partners. So if it is that you're having higher prices in the U.S., it will have some translation to our markets um, in terms of, and we already see, as I mentioned, with um, companies in terms of importing for raw materials, and you're seeing higher prices for grains, food, as Duane would have mentioned so it is going to have some impact on our economy um just on the basis that we do import prices we do have price importation and if it's higher there then it's going to be higher here um Mm -hmm. you mentioned oil i mean we don't produce our own and so it is that whatever happens in the u.s market will definitely have some impact on us in terms of how it is that we're seeing for inflation prices locally
0: I'm seeing a bunch of memes now with people saying these were my fall plans and then Delta variant is like eh? <laughs> <You know? laughs> fall plans and then Delta variant just come mash up everything. Sure. Uh, so Dwayne did mention something, though, even though inflation is you know, on the rise in the United States shopping is picking up and that is good news for one of the companies that you're interested in julian and that is target so their q1 earnings have done a lot better than expected give us the overview
4: okay so target as we know is one of the retail giants in the united Mm -hmm. states it's actually the second largest retailer in the u.s followed by actually um, right after walmart i should say So it has a loyal following. It has its crowd, and that's one of the things that propelled its performance for the period. So the earnings year over year actually leaped 7.38 times, um, to 2.1 billion, right? And one of the major catalysts is uh, is actually year over
0: year or compared to the previous year over year year over year
4: year over year. So we're looking at their first quarter compared to the first quarter of the prior period, and their first quarter has ended May. But as investors, we are forward looking. So we want to gauge our expectation for their second quarter. Now we we'll have to put that into context. So for the period, their sales actually grew 23.36% to 24.2 billion. And the main driver was apparel and accessories. And right after that, it was a segment called hard lines, which actually just means electronics. So that's video games and software items like that. So essentially so like
0: apparel apparel and accessories. So people buy those number
4: one. Right. I guess that
0: they probably feel like you know places open up now i need to get dressed up again.
4: Yeah, you know that meme on social then, media. Oh, here comes
0: Delta again.
4: You know that meme on social media when people say the party is is tomorrow or when the party is going to be um yeah, the following day, you see them lie down and sleep beside an oh. outfit. That's the kind of <laughs> mindset, you know? Um people yeah. are really anticipating. Um, again, the reopening trade going back outside, so that would also propel consumer spending. And again, a company like Target is going to benefit strongly from stimulus. So we have to remember that just a few months ago, over a trillion cumulatively in monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus, um, it was unleashing the economy. So when you're talking about all of that money supply coming in, it's going to filter to these different channels. And we have to remember that two thirds of US GDP is actually consumption. So when you have the second largest retailer in the US, being properly positioned online to benefit from this, so people don't have to be outside to to participate in buying their products, and they also have a strong distribution footprint, they have locations um, all over the US, it means that a company like this is going to have significant benefits from this flood of stimulus. And also the anticipation of people going back outside. So people are actually, um, they're gearing up to go back to life as they knew it. Um, I think the outlook is turning a little bit more confident. People are a little bit more optimistic. They're excited to actually be able to move on with their lives outside. So these are the things that are actually fueling the growth for the company. Now, in terms of cash flow from operations, it's it's actually down 11.3%. 1.14 billion but it's still at a healthy level that is not concerning Um, so we still have what is called quality of earnings so even though earnings jump by that amount it means that the earnings are still quality Um, so in terms of the balance sheet it's still healthy Um, the the total equity is up significantly and it's now at 14.96 billion Um, in terms of their debt levels it's less than um, the debt to equity is less than one times, meaning that they have more equity than debt, and their cash levels are are healthy as well. Um, in terms of the PE now, the stock itself is at twenty one times, twenty one point three times thereabout. Um, last time I checked the price, it was two hundred and sixty one dollars and thirty cents in that range. So it it it's something worth considering if you're going to bet on the reopening trade, meaning that you're 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 hedging a bit on things normalizing in the US, which should happen. Based on vaccination gains in the U.S. compared to countries like Jamaica, their vaccination rate is far higher, yeah. and they have far more spending power. They're earning the U.S., so their purchasing power is higher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all of these things are in the co- the company's favor. Also, um, the what's stock, the stock price?
0: price looking though? Oh, same thing you were just about to say. So yeah. how have investors reacted to the latest report?
4: Well, so um, so far it's actually been performing strongly because. It's up 21% from the 200-day moving average. Um, However, it's down 2.16% from the 52-week high. So based based on what is happening now in terms of consumption, based on the fact that people have hoarded their savings over the last couple of months, and we're seeing so much stimulus still having an impact on the economy, it's likely that the company is going to do well For the next quarter based on its trajectory and based on that the market should react um and that could push the stock higher especially because it's down two percent from the 52 week high
0: well i want to thank you all for joining me this week great analysis as usual we look forward to your continued contributions thanks guys
6: all right
4: all right thanks very much
0: stay with us for a preview of this week's other content on krm
5: this segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, was brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Portfolio Services.
0: That's our show for this week. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to this channel and share with a friend. Also subscribe to our newsletter at kalilareynolds.com newsletter and turn on those post notifications so that you can be the first to see all of our other content. We want to help people learn more about money so we can all get this money together. So this week on money mondays ja we continue our series on financial statements this time we'll explain the profit and loss statement and on money moves ja an update on the new data protection act and how you can get your business ready so follow me on instagram and twitter at kalila ray and follow at taking stock ja on instagram if you want to connect with the analysts this week check the description box below for their contact information also visit our website kalilarunnels.com for financial information you can use however you like it watch listen or read and tell a friend about taking stock because investing. Is the new sexy? So let's make it cool to talk about money. I'm Kalila Reynolds. Let's get this money.
5: Let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>